Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Ruthie's Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. When I phoned Frank Gehry to ask him to do this podcast, he immediately said yes. For years, every time a new Frank Gehry building opened, Richard, my husband, and I would make a pilgrimage to visit wow. the Disney Center in Los Angeles, the Louis Vuitton Foundation in Paris, the Guggenheim in Bilbao, and more. But one summer in 2008, a spectacular Gary building came up to us in Hyde Park, just 10 minutes from our house. It was a serpentine pavilion, a temporary structure designed with his son, Sammy. For those few months, we met friends there almost daily, watching the sunset, listening to people play music, eating and drinking. This brave and beautiful structure made Hyde Park a better park and London a better city. Wow. Today, I've made a pilgrimage on my own from London to Los Angeles, not to see a new Frank Gehry building, but to see my much-loved close friend, Frank. Six slices of prosciutto or pancetta. I really like that. Mm-hmm. One pheasant plucked and cleaned. It's Americans quite, don't have... Yeah, no, we don't have game? They don't have pheasants. Canada, I bet, does. Canada, but it's mm. a long time ago I was in okay. Canada. Half a cup of olive oil, I like that. Three garlic cloves peeled. Yes, I'm still in. Three fresh rosemary sprigs, great. Five fresh sage leaves, great. Half a bottle of Josephine Doré. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Qu'est-ce que c'est? C'est un vin? It's wine. It's a fortified sweet wine, rather like Marsala. Uh-huh. So you could use Marsala as well, but I love the name Josephine Doré for wine. Okay, I like the name too. A 175 millimeter chicken stock. Mm-hmm. 125 milliliters of heavy cream. Place the prosciutto or pancetta slices over the pheasant and tie on with a string. Heat the olive oil in a saucepan and brown the pheasant on all sides. Add the garlic and herbs. Cook over medium heat for about 40 minutes, adding the wine and stock in stages. You do not want to boil the bird, but braise it in the liquid. Remove the bird and keep warm. Add the cream. Let it simmer and then season. Pour the juices over the pheasant and serve. Yum, yum. It's good, isn't it? I'm shocked nice. you didn't bring me some. I know. It's not the right <laughs> season. There aren't pheasants anymore. That would anymore. go with this interview. Is to, <laughs> Can you imagine me getting into uh, customs in yeah, L.A. But, saying I've got a pheasant? I mean, it would make the interview. Yeah. We could do that. We can do a replay. Okay, we'll do it when you come London. to London. We'll make yes, it and then eat it. Did you ever do the cooking? I cook matzo brai. Oh, do you? How, what is that? On Sunday mornings. And yeah. I have matzo brai bake-offs with people. 
matzah brai is uh, unleavened bread that the Jews crossed the desert with Moses <laughs> a long time ago. And it's um, used for Passover. It's used mostly for Passover. It's a unleavened bread. Unleavened bread for Passover. I break it up underwater and get it sort of moist. I salt it and stuff. And I take a bunch of eggs and I beat them up mm-hmm. and put put them all over the matzo brai and it absorbs the egg stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I fry them. That's called matzo brai. Okay. So I grew up with that. Yeah, what did you grow up with? Tell me, first start from the beginning. Where were you born? Toronto. And where were your parents born? My mother, Poland. My father, New York. Uh, And his father and mother? His father, Russia. Russia, Poland, yeah. Pinsk, I think. My mother, Lodz, L-O-D-Z. Yeah, Lodz. And what was their story? They came in 19... 13, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a pogrom mm-hmm. in, in Poland. I found out later that mm-hmm. the Jews were being rounded up and beaten up. And uh, my grandfather, who delivered coal, he had a wagon. I went to Lodz and saw where they, the rail tracks were and where he was. And when did you go? I was invited to do a film festival in mm-hmm. called the Kamaraj Film Festival mm-hmm. in Poland. And I went with um, David Lynch. Oh, David Lynch. David Lynch and I went to Poland. I love the people and I went to the city hall there and they asked David and I to sign our names on the wall. And I wrote, my grandfather left in 1913. If he hadn't left, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. I was immediately called by the mayor's office and they became very solicitous. They found all my my grandparents' families. They were they they all of a sudden became like mm-hmm. to show me they really loved the Jews and blah blah blah, which was a bunch of bullshit, I guess. But um, so I did get a pretty uh, deep, and I found out my grandmother actually ran a foundry. There was folklore about it when I was growing up, but. It, it was true. The grandmother did. She ran a foundry yeah. in Poland. Impressive. They came across on a Dutch ship that got stalled mid-ocean, which was the reason my mother would never cross a bridge in a car. What? She got a, had a phobia for... So she would get out of the car and walk across the bridge and meet us on the other side. Yeah because of this experience as a, I guess she was a nine-year-old or six-year-old, I don't remember. But obviously they got here. Yeah. They got to where? Where did they land? To Canada. Right. And they landed in Toronto. Uh, My grandfather got a horse and buggy. He was delivering bread, I think, and stuff. They lived in a little house, tiny house, that just got torn down. Did it feel like they were a very Jewish community within Toronto? Yeah, it was a Jewish community. My grandfather had got went on to have a hardware store, which I worked in as a kid mm-hmm. with him. And he's the one that got me to read Talmud. 
And uh, he wasn't religious. It was interesting. He was the the head of his little congregation because he took the he was a business guy, yeah. and so he managed the money for them. But he read Talmud to me. That was interesting. You know, Talmud starts with the word "why." Yeah. Curiosity, and curiosity is the feeder for all all of our work, right? All creativity is. Uh, Somebody always asks me what, what I look for in a new chef or anyone I take on at the River Cafe, and I always say curiosity. Yeah, right. And that's, so what that's where it came interested. from yeah. originally. And so you, edu- you went to school every day, and you, know, you were part So of the- we were in Toronto. I went to, I went to Bloor Collegiate until 47, and then we, but in between, we, the, my family moved to Timmins, Ontario, 500 miles north of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I lived there from eight years old to 13 years old. So you've sort of set up a picture of what, where you were. If you were to kind of close your eyes and remember the smells of your mother's kitchen or the food in her kitchen, can you visualize it? What, what, was it a big room? Was it a small kitchen? Yeah, was it, was it, like? a, it was a small kitchen. It wasn't. Uh, she wasn't a great cook. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, my so grandmother complete. made on the cook stove, uh, made all the to filter fish. Yeah. And I used to watch. That's why everybody says I do fish sculptures because I used to go pick up the live fish and put it in the bathtub, and then at night I would I would as a kid. I would play with the fish in the bathtub, and then the next day it was they, gone. They would kill it. Did you ever watch them kill the fish? No, I didn't know, know what happened. I right. Was, you would bring it home. I finally then. figured it out. But yeah. um, Do you think there is? Because that is interesting about why the fish. Because yeah. you know, when did the image of the fish begin? Do you know? Was it uh, always there? That's a whole other story. Yeah. Do you want me to get into it? About the fish. Yes. You know, I was started practice in 64, my own. I'd worked on shopping centers with Gruen and stuff like that. Um, I got some houses to do. I, I did some s- small buildings. Uh, and I got to know Peter Eisenman mm-hmm. and uh, your husband mm-hmm. and Norman Foster and uh, Michael Graves and Charlie Moore and... I, I wasn't a big force in architecture, but I was, they sort of paid attention. I was doing enough stuff, they paid attention. From the very beginning, I hung out with the artists because I always thought of architecture as an art, and I thought they were coming around to my buildings and looking at my stuff and inviting me for dinner and. They being the artists. The artists in L.A. Ed so would that Mo- Ed, be Ed Ruscha? Ed, Ed Ruscha, Ed. Ed Moses, Billy Moses. Al Bankston, yeah. uh, John Altoon, yeah. Peter Alexander, all, a lot of people you know became close friends. And I would go to their shows and they would come to my... At, at a point, um, Arthur Drexler, do you remember who that mm-hmm. is? Mm-hmm. He was the architecture guy the, at MoMA. MoMA, yeah did a show called uh, Beaux-Arts. Mm-hmm. And it was it's 60, right? 60, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Everybody went to that show. I went to it. It was a knockout. Mm-hmm. The Beaux-Arts buildings, the models they showed were so seductive. It was incredible. 
everybody, it was after that show that Philip put the top on AT&T. Mm. Right as a director of that show. And Graves came out and Stern came out and they all, okay, so postmodernism post became the, yeah. the siren song. Yeah. And I remember I was at a, um, and I couldn't buy it. I just, I wasn't buying it, but I thought there was more to life than copying the past. So I was at a conference with a lot of those guys, and I can't remember where, and when my turn came to talk, which I never prepared talks, I would get up and just do what I, say what was on my mind. I looked at them and said, what the hell? Is there only one way to go backwards? Can't there? Isn't there something new? Isn't there any hope <laughs> for the future? I forget what. It and I said, oh, damn it. If, if you got to go back, I mean, you can go back 300 million years before man to fish. I said, fish are very architectural. And they, their movement it's beautiful, and they suggest movement, and it goes with cars and trains and planes and stuff. So just copy that. And? I had no idea why I said that. After that, I started to draw fish on all my little drawings. Yeah. I've got top stuff all around with fishy. They're on those drawings, too. Yeah. So I started playing with it. I was doing that project with Klaus Oldenburg mm -hmm. in, in Venezia. Mm -hmm. The sponsors were a fashion house in, in Florence, asked me to do a fish sculpture for their show. And so I went to Chinachita and did a drawing and they made it. I never saw it. In Torino, they were just getting ready to open the, the uh, Castello de Rivoli as a museum. And they had their first show and they invited me to be in the first show. Mm -hmm. And so they gave me two galleries. And one gallery, I put all my models and they said they had something for the other gallery. They didn't tell me what. I walk in, the other gallery was this wooden fish made for the fashion show. It's the biggest piece of kitsch I've ever, mm -hmm scene it was so embarrassing i stood beside i was just freaked out that they were making this part of my show and standing beside me was a guy from the stedlick museum who had spoken ill of my work many times before he's standing beside me and he said how'd you do that and i said what do you mean he said how'd you do it i want to talk to you then i realized what he was talking about the thing looked like it was moving. This piece of right. egregious kitsch yeah. was fish had this, the movement that a fish has. Oh. And how they had made it in that way. They didn't know. They didn't know. It was just, it was just an accident. Phew, accident. Yeah. This guy said, that's brilliant. How did you do that? Mm. I said, mm. it's pure. You know, I said, I, I told Genius. him what I was interested yeah. in the fish because of movement. So yeah. Do you think that relates to the, to the carp in the bathtub? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that a psychiatrist would say that image of the car in the bathtub. I ain't going to claim anything, but that I think that the, the next thing I did was a show at the Walker, and I cut the tail off the fish, the head off the fish, oh. 
and I made an abstract, and it still moved. It still had the sense of movement. Hmm. And that's when I got hooked, hooked on the shape, shaping, of, uh, shaping of and using that hmm. to express, uh, to express in architecture. Iconic, yeah, the image of, of so a, that, of, of I think that experience yeah. Uh, yeah, made, made Bilbao. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it. And I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love the food in Bilbao, yeah, by the way. Yeah, so let's talk about that because San Sebastian, which is right next to Bilbao, is, is a mecca for food. People yeah. go there, the chefs are really right. interesting. So what, when you say you love the food of Bilbao, tell me about it. I it's the cod, fish, what mm-hmm. do they call it? Yeah, the bacalao. Bacalao. Mm-hmm. Bacalao, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, don't know. you? You're yeah. a cook. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, uh, bacalao, I love bacalao. And I love the uh, wine. Yeah. You would go for these site meetings, and did you spend a lot of yeah. time there? Yeah, Bilbao reawakened my food, whatever foodie yeah. I was, yeah. happened there, because that's what we did. We went out to restaurants with them. Yeah. Um, well, the wine was special. Because the life that you're describing, of, of working all day, of whether you're Cassavetes, your friend, or... Um, actors or writers or artists in their studios, there was a real momentum to go out to eat at the end of the day because the work was solitary. And so was that true here as well? Did you go out to restaurants all the time in in Los Angeles? Yeah, with Benny Gazzaro, we used to go to Italian restaurants. Mm. So we had a lot of pasta and a lot of um, red wine. There was one that somebody told me there was one in like a train carriage. The... Pacific Dining Car. Is it still there? 
downtown, I think it's still there. Is it? Is it? it was in my neighborhood. So yeah. we used to go there because it was around the corner from where we lived. And you, could, you didn't need a reservation. You just walk in. Yeah. And it was never filled. And at, I mean, I used to see um, Spieler. Uh, he used to be there and a lot of uh, Hollywood people. But they would come at six in the morning for early breakfast when nobody mm. was there or mm. real late at night. The thing uh, about a restaurant in a city is that, as we found out when restaurants were closed in London, is that they do provide a social life to the city, that you yeah, can go I there think, and see I, people that you didn't know were going to be there. There's a spontaneity about meeting a friend or sitting there for yeah, hours. Yeah, Pacific Dining Car was more private. People didn't go there to meet other people. Mm. It was mm. very... There was, the mm. booths were spread right. apart, and it, it was never filled. So. Did you, as a kid, did you ever go out to a restaurant when you were a child? Not very much. They couldn't afford to yeah. go out, yeah. I do yeah. remember going to restaurants with my father in Toronto that had signs, no Jews allowed. No. I do remember that. Really? Yeah. Really? Wow. And he, he always knew the owner because he was a gregarious guy, so we would go in anyway, but... Wow. So he would he would actually be friends with an owner who actually had a sign on his door saying no. Uh, he wasn't him. friendly with him, but he had a he had a, some kind of business relationship with him. I don't know. Was your father alive to understand your success? He died before my success. No. 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 My mother did. Did yeah. she bask in the in the glow of your success? Well, she tried. Yeah. But when I. When she died, I found a box with every article. Yeah. 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 I didn't know she was doing that. Yeah. And it was from way back. But she always used to compare me to um, other people's kids. You know, like Hilda's son does. Mm. Why can't you be more like that? So I, I, got a, I had a bad time. I think you had a bad time, and they had a bad time. Yeah, you know, they imagine had a, yeah. leaving your country and having yeah. a ship stalled in the middle yeah. of the ocean, and arriving in a, a city that you knew no one. And I mean, when when you left your home, where did you go to architecture school? USC. Hmm. So you came to California. So my father lost everything. Had a heart attack. Uh, had to leave uh, leave uh, Toronto. He was penniless. His brother brought him to California. Mm. My mother came. My sister came. We lived in a two rooms the size of this uh, in an old building downtown. Sisters and brothers? Hmm? Did you have sisters and brothers? Did Sister, you have... Doreen. Yeah. I got a job as a truck driver. My father got a job as a truck driver. I delivered breakfast, nooks, and furniture. He was a soda pop delivery. Uh, my mother got a job in the Broadway Hollywood in the candy department. And she stayed there all the way to the end for her. She w worked in the Broadway. She ended up in the decorating department. And she was selling draperies to Hollywood people. Hmm. <laughs> so would she cook? Would she come home and cook for you? Do you remember Not sitting? Not very much. So no. would, would sitting down to a meal in your house be something? My was sister everybody would working? probably remember, but I can't. 
Mm. I don't remember that. You know, being, meals, family meals didn't not, kind of not exciting. No. Yeah. No, everybody talks about, you know, how how sad it is now that we don't all gather around a table every night. But for some people, quite a few people, it was quite Sorry, hard and very scary stressful, yeah. and stressful to have to sit around a table with your family. That's what it was for you, was it? Yeah. Because? He, he just had a temper and you never knew. couldn't control it. And yeah. Took it out on me because he saw me as not, understanding business mm. I was I was the kind of artsy type yeah. so and he didn't understand that mm. and my mother also supported that that I wasn't really interested in I mean I was interested in going to the symphony and going to art galleries but not in things that would make a living and so mealtimes were a kind of tyranny were they of that was difficult, yeah. And then when you went to architecture school and college, you kind of fended for yourself. And yeah, then I got married. <laughs> yeah, became domestic life? Was that? Yeah, that was domestic life, kind of, yeah. Yeah, but this was a first marriage yeah. before Bertram. Well, um, when you designed the um, canteen, the cafeteria for Sai, new house, did um, that make you think more about food? Or did you, did you, was that about space? Was that where people could stop working in the magazines and go I, and have a meal. I did think about food because we did the cafeteria yeah. part and we had to set up where you go through the line and get used yeah. But that's a radical canteen. I mean, there's no other space like that to have as a place to eat when you're working all day. I, when, it was the hottest ticket in New York. Was to it be was? Invited to that, yeah, to lunch. Everybody was trying to figure out how they wow, could get Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, huge. Everybody wanted to go there, you know. I remember going with Victoria took me, and people, friends of mine, call up friends of theirs who were They remodeled it. They've totally, oh, have they? totally oh, done that's it over, a pity. yeah. What was Cy like as a client? Was he the client? He was the client. Did he know what he wanted? Really did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I took him to, the best thing I did with Sai is I took him to Japan for a week with Greg Walsh, who was my partner, who had spent a lot of his life in Japan. So Greg knew Japan, really mm. fantastic. And Victoria and Sai and Bert and I and Greg spent a week together. And Sai ended up in the same little cafe with... Uh, Typical Japanese mm -hmm. dish, pork noodles or something. Mm -hmm. And that's what he ordered every day. And he wanted to go back to the same restaurant every day. Um, no, so I, uh, a month before he died, I was with him in Paris for the opening of the Louis Vuitton building. Mm. He called me over. He was sitting there kind of not totally with it. Good. And he said... Frank, the trip you took me on to Japan, I think I'm gonna cry. He said, was one of the best ever. It was so sweet what he said. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. 
Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it. And I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you like sugar? Do you like sweet food? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. What you, what's your um, uh, go-to sweet? Uh, my friend Stephanie Barron makes the greatest lemon drops and oh. I invite her to go sailing specifically because she brings the lemon drop. Oh. So sailing, yeah, so, so the sailing. boat. Sailing, now you're the talking. The boat, yeah. <laughs> and when you're on the boat, do you, do you eat? Do you have a... yeah, We order sandwiches or something. Yeah. And drink wine. Are you interested in the wine? Yeah, I, I got a lot of it, but I don't. Yeah. One of my clients is the uh, Southern Wine and Spirits owner from 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 uh, Vegas. Okay. And I did his little building in Vegas, oh. and uh, so he sends us all the wine and stuff. I mean, I I mean I get to like some of it. Yeah. I pick stuff that I like. Yeah. And Berta likes some of it, okay. but we're not winos. Tequila has. I like tequila. We've been drinking tequila yeah. a little bit. And so we do tequila for dinner. <laughs> and what other sweets apart from the lemon drops? Do you like chocolate, Frank? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Is there something that when you're feeling kind of low or kind of worried that you might reach for in terms of food? Is there something that you would say there's, there's a kind of sense of comfort in some food? I guess just plain pasta something. Pasta, yeah. yeah. Do you know, I ask this question to everybody, and, and they so always end up with pasta. Everybody loves a pasta. Yeah, I think it is. So. Well, it's, uh, you don't have to eat a lot of it, and it's kind of filling. Yeah. And uh, you can drink some wine with it. Yeah. And then there's so, such, so many varieties of yeah. pasta that that gets exciting, you know. But, and when you go to a restaurant, uh, an Italian restaurant, the varieties are incredible, mm. so... I like to try okay. stuff. Well, let's go. Next time I'm here, are you going to restaurants? Are you avoiding them? No? No, a little bit, not okay. much. I'm going to come to the River Cafe yeah. more. Frank Gary, you are invited to the River Cafe. Okay. Invited. That means you don't have to pay anything. And by the way, Jews are allowed. <laughs> Jews. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Um, 
Uh, well, I will I be coming because eat. And of, also, you know, uh, food is a pleasure. You yeah, know, it is. God, it's so good, and it's so yeah, a great thing to give yeah, yourself well, I, and then I, just eat it and have delicious things. Okay, so okay? in the morning for breakfast, yeah. I make, I take toast, and I fry an egg, yeah. and I put it on the toast. That's good. And that's what I have for but when if I, the egg, when I'm, if the egg is good and the toast is good yeah. and the butter is good yeah. and it's hot, then that's a delicious meal. But you need to put a lot of salt and pepper on it and you need to eat it yeah, with, I pleasure. with pleasure. Yeah. You know? No, no, you I know, do. Food is, you know, it's important. And artists and architects and designers, everyone, it's part no, but of the I, I do make salami and eggs with, oh, as well as... Oh, now it's coming out. Okay, now it's coming out. It's not just the matzo bar. Salami and the matzo bar, yeah. I do both. Okay. That's my specialty. All right, I'm coming. <laughs> All right, thank you, Frank. What's Frank Berry ice cream? Frank Berry ice cream? Somebody named an ice cream. Is that right after you? Did you know that? Yeah, I saw something like that. I think having an ice cream named after you is pretty cool, I have yeah. to say. You know, you could have a building named after you or, a, you know. Snickerdoodle, maybe. I Snickerdoodle, guess. Snickerdoodle, Frank yeah. Gehry. What okay, the well, maybe we'll have to go get one. The River Cafe Lookbook is now available in bookshops and online. It has over 100 recipes beautifully illustrated with photographs from the renowned photographer Matthew Donaldson. The book has 50 delicious and easy-to-prepare recipes, including a host of River Cafe classics that have been specially adapted for new cooks. The River Cafe Lookbook, recipes for cooks of all ages. Ruthie's Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomai Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net.